Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Hey everybody, welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. We're on episode number 11. Thank you so much for sharing and letting your friends know about our little corner of the internet universe. And, and we're just trying to share stories of, of industry leaders and how they got to where they're at and, and obviously pick their brain for some of their knowledge as well. Well, and today on episode number 11, we are going down under. Yes, it's uh, I'm talking to somebody who's in tomorrow, and that's Peter Brewer. Peter Brewer has uh, been in the industry, the real estate industry in Australia for over 30 years. Um, and I consider him one of the leaders of the uh, AussieRE.net. We've had that in the U.S., but he was definitely a part of that in Australia early on, definitely an early adopter. I've had the pleasure of knowing Peter for a few years now. Pretty sure we met for the first time at an Inman conference, which seems to happen a lot. Another little plug for Inman. It's an amazing place. And um, I've even got a chance to hang out with him with a little local establishment in Scottsdale that I hope we get back to again. So. Peter, welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. <laughs> Good night, Bill Risha. Lovely to talk to you, mate, and it's wonderful to hear your voice. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm uh, real excited, having fun. And uh, I, as we mentioned before we went on the air a little here, I'm super busy with our TILA RESPA integrated disclosure stuff. Uh, just finished my 80th presentation on that today, so we'll save that for the podcast, yeah. But yeah, well, you're a busy man, Bill, but uh, obviously people, you know, you are one of the leaders there and, and people do look to you for, for the right information. So I'm sure you're doing it well. No, thank you. Thank you. Uh, my first question for you. I know you live and you're based in Brisbane, Australia, and I've, I can look at a map and I know it's on the East Coast where it seems like most of the cities are. But that's all I know about Australia. Tell me a little bit about where you live and what it's like. I just give, give that, that newbie to Australia just a little feel for Brisbane. Now, Brisbane, look, for me, it's it's a slice of paradise. You know, Brisbane is, um, as you say, it's the eastern seaboard of Australia, so we share the same coastline with Sydney and Melbourne. Um, but, you know, it's Sydney and Melbourne without the insanity. We've got uh, our climate here very similar, I guess, to, to Florida or to Miami. Very similar. So we get, a, we get about three days of winter each year, um, and, you know, we might put a jumper on or a jacket on for those three days. The rest of the time, it's really just a lovely place to live in terms of climate. In terms of population, I think we've got a population in Brisbane of about one and a half, maybe two million people. Um, so it's a pretty cool place to live. Lovely beaches. We're a city that's built on a river uh, that snakes its way through. So our apartment here in Brisbane, we're, at, we're literally 100 metres walk and we're out on the water. So man, it's just a lovely, relaxed place to live. No headaches and uh, life couldn't be better in the sunshine state, as we call it. Awesome. Now... This has to come up every now and then, but what's your num what's the number one misconception Americans have about Australia? <laughs> oh, well, look, there are several, but I think the number one. I, I, look, I have to give you two, Bill. Right, just two. The first one is Australians hate Foster's beer. So all these stories that you hear about, you know, uh, uh, Foster's, it's Australian for beer, is crap. It's the worst stuff you can ever drink. Australians laugh at, <laughs> at the fact that we're portrayed as being Foster's drinkers. It's horrific. <laughs> the second one is, oh, it's horrible. It's just a horrible beer. I don't. You know, I think it was really marketed well 
by Paul Hogan, as you guys know, Mick Crocodile Dundee, back in the Crocodile Dundee movies days. It was portrayed yep. as being the beer, um, and it's not. It's, uh, ooh, ooh, I'm even shuddering here at the thought of, of downing some. So that's number one. Number two is Outback Steakhouse. We do not have Outback Steakhouses here in Australia. We have awesome steak and nice restaurants, but there is no such thing as an Outback Steakhouse. And so we kind of chuckle a bit as we travel through the states over there and there's all these outback steakhouses with the steak from down under. And that's not what we're about at all. We don't have outback steakhouses. Tell, tell me you at least have blooming onions. <laughs> well, we'll, I don't have blooming onions. We, we fry our onions so, so on a barbecue plate. You know, we get uh, an onion, two or three onions, chop them up, put them on a hot plate, a little bit of olive oil, and then what you've got to do, Bill, is just maybe half a cup of beer just on the top of the onions as they're sizzling on a nice hot plate just before you throw them on a steak. Tell me that you do that. All right, so let's, let's go vice versa on that. What's the number one misconception Australians have about America? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> What's the number one misconceptions that Yanks have about, that Aussies have about Yanks? Yeah. I don't know. I reckon we've got a pretty good feel for you guys. You know, I, I think there are so many similarities about our culture and our language and our love of life and our and our uh, respect for each other. I reckon we've got you guys pretty much down pat. I guess there's an ad running at the moment over here that's uh, that, that sort of slings off at you guys where uh, I think in 30 times an hour they say, have a nice day, have a nice day. So I don't know that I've met two Americans that really say, have a nice day. Yeah, that's kind of a, that might be back in the late 70s, early 80s. It's still possible. It's still possible. So, all right. Well, let me, I, one last thing before I get into the, the real estate stuff. And I've got to know, the Brisbane Lions had a tough 2015, Peter. <laughs> Is there something to look forward to for 2016? Uh, if I was going to look forward to something in 2016, 16, as far as the Brisbane Lions go, I'd probably go and follow Hawthorne. I'd probably change teams. They had a shocker, Bill, and I, I didn't know that you knew the Lions. Um, we went to several games this year, and uh, it's fascinating. And it's a great, it's a great you know, understanding of life that you know, at the moment, while they're down, they're probably getting you know, five or 7,000 people to a game. When they're on the top of their game, they get 50-odd thousand people. So you know, you've got to be a front runner to get the support, otherwise the crowd's dwindle. Um, so I don't know, look, they had a shocker. Um, I guess like any team, again, it's probably a metaphor for, for business as well. You know, they're in that rebuilding process. So some of the stars have retired, some have moved on. Now they've got this nucleus of young fellas that they're trying to put together to build a team that will probably come really, really good in two or three years time. All right. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll check in with them on a regular basis. Let's get to some real estate stuff for the people listening. So first of all, tell me, how did you get started? You you were in real estate for a long time in Australia, and I know, you know, you still dabble and do some other things. But what what got you rolling, and what got you into it? Yeah, Bill, I, I'm from a real estate family. Uh, my dad, uh, my mum and dad were real estate agents for a long time, and so it was kind of a natural progression that that you know, coming up, all you heard at the dinner table was mum and dad talking about real estate. And uh, you know, it's interesting. My kids opted to go in the other direction. They've probably heard me talk about it too much. But for me, there's a bit of a fascination. We're always going to move into the business in some form. Although I'd spent a bit of time doing some other things before I started my real estate career. My dad was a toughie. He was a tough man. And I was living with him and I said, so 
I think I was maybe 20 or something or other, I said, look, I think it's time for me to have a crack at real estate. I think I should start. And he said to me, and this is my dad, he was a tough man. He said, all right, well, you can come down to the office for an interview for the job. And so I actually had to put the suit and tie on. I went down for the interview and, and he went through the standard interview questions. This is my father interviewing me for a job. Tough man. And so I, I answered you know, all the questions and the interview stuff and fill out my name and address and telephone number. You know, this is amazing that I'm going through this stuff. And I handed him the, the application form and he said, all right, uh, give me a call tomorrow and I'll let you know how you go. Now I'm living with my parents and I'm still filling out this application form. And he said, ring me tomorrow, I'll let you know how you want the application. Well, this is fascinating. So I rang him the next day and I said, uh, okay, uh, Dad, just checking in, how do I go with the application? I thought, I'll play your game. And he said, uh, you didn't complete the form correctly. And I said, what do you mean? He said, on the back of the, of the application for employment form is, the, is an area that requires you to provide three referees for your character. He said, you didn't complete that, that part of the form. So he said, you'll need to come back, complete that form, We'll check the references and we'll get back to you. <laughs> so I went down. So I went back the next day and I, and I filled out the three referees and put in their names and telephone numbers and the character references that hopefully would attest to my good character at 20 years of age. God save me. And, uh, and I rang him back the next day and he said, uh, yes, I've checked the references. Yes, you'll be acceptable. You can join the team. And so that was my... That was, my, that was my start in real estate and the message that Dad was trying to get to me was also a message to the rest of the team that worked in the business that the young bloke was probably going to get a job but he was going to have to jump through the hoops just like everyone else did. Yeah, that's not a bad way to go. Yeah, no, it was good you know, and, uh, you know, and he made it tough for me and that was great because it was wonderful. You know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't going to be easy but uh, it was gonna, he was going to make sure that if I did it, it was going to be done right. And so, well, you know, I thank Dad for the so many things that uh, that he put into me that, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and doing things well and treating people with respect and all the hallmarks that make us successful in this business. Right. So that was around 30 something years ago. Yeah. So you're 20 years old. You start with your, is it your dad owns the firm? Uh, yeah. He owned the firm back in those days. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, straight out, in the, straight out on the tools, you're a salesperson. Go and make it happen. Did you uh, ultimately stay with and acquire that company or did you move on and start your own or do something different? No, no, I, so I stayed with that company. I'd actually done a six-month apprenticeship with a, with a competing firm in another area just about uh, 10 miles away. Um, so I spent six months elsewhere, I, so I had a, a pretty good understanding of the, of the industry. And so I stayed with the firm uh, all the way through until 2008. In, in, uh, in 1992, I, uh, Dad had a heart attack and he was 58 years of age and he said, I don't need the stress and the drama anymore. And, and he said, so, you know, do you want the business? And I went, you little beauty, you know. And I said, absolutely. And he said, okay, well, I've had it valued and this is the price. And I went, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, down to the local bank and sat down with the manager and talked about assets and equity and liabilities and financing and then walked out of there with a, with a $100,000 loan and, and buying the family business in 1992. So and so that was so all of a sudden instant business owner and and get some great lessons there for me as well because you know I'd been a really successful salesperson I'd had a wonderful start as being a salesperson but being a great salesperson doesn't make you a great business owner. How many agents did you have at the company at this time? At that stage we had uh, seven or eight seven or eight salespeople, okay. um, three or four property managers um, who looked after the managements that we we, we looked after rental properties as well as sales. 
And so all of a sudden I've gone from being the guy that was out there, as I say, you know, flapping the gums or speaking and, and doing deals, to all of a sudden sitting down looking at profit and loss statements and balance sheets and strategic plans. And you know, this was foreign to me. I was a right brain creative. You know, all of a sudden put in a left brain um, uh, analytical position. So, but it, again, it was great. It made me reach out to people that knew that stuff who could give me the education to try and make it better and also to bring in the right people to look after those niches in the business. And, and look, doing the math quickly, you, you did it for 16 years. You, you didn't sell or leave the company until 2008. Yeah, 2008 we sold the business, so absolutely 16 years. And we took it at that stage, we were running, I think we had about um, 60 or 70 properties under management. So they were, we were renting or managing those properties professionally in-house for their team. Um, um, and I think when we sold the business in 2008, we had around 450 properties that we were managing as well as the sales team. So there were people that would come in each week, pay their rent, do the bits and pieces, and we would manage those properties. So our growth was pretty strong, was pretty good. We made it very profitable. Um, and uh, to the point where in 2008, um, you know, I, I was probably at that stage, Bill, that you get after 30 odd years in real estate, that I was tired, old, cranky, and not fit for human consumption, you know? <laughs> okay. Well before I let you uh, transition out of real estate, you you understand how we work real estate in the United States because you've made numerous trips over here and you've, uh, you're very connected to how we do things. Tell, tell our listeners some of the differences because you and I over a beer have talked about these and it was really interesting for me to hear some of the big differences between a real estate transaction in Australia versus you know, in the States and also even just licensing of an agent and all that thing, all that kind of stuff. Do you mind giving us a little quick run through that? Absolutely, Bill, absolutely. So, so some differences to me, and, and it was interesting, we had Dolly Lenz from New York um, speaking at this conference that we were at in the last two days. And you know, the, the question was posed of Dolly, you know, um, how do you guys honestly represent both sides, both the buyer and the seller in a transaction over there? There's, there's got to be this, you know, this vested interest or a conflict of, of interest. And, and, you know, and Dolly gave her response, which I'll, you know, I'll chat about soon. But in Australia, we act for, real estate agents act for the seller. The seller remunerates the agent to do the absolute best they can to extract every last dollar they possibly can out of the buyer's ashtray to, to, to purchase the home. The job of the real estate agent is to get the maximum dollar possible to make the seller happy. That's how they're remunerated. And as far as the, the buyer goes, the buyer just represents themselves. The buyer is, you know, they're, they're over the age of 21, they can make their own decisions and they've got to do the research. And so it is buyer beware. So, you know, there's this, you know, we look with fascination at the real estate market in the US and go, how can you possibly represent honestly both sides of the transaction but still only be paid by the seller? So that kind of confuses me a bit. So here we just, um, we look after the seller, the seller pays the fee. There are a few buyer's agents around where the buyer would actually pay a fee to the real estate agent to go and secure property for them. But again, the buyer would pay that fee. Does that make sense, Bill? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, and you're right, dual agency is a problem with a lot of people over here, but for some it's not. So <laughs> it, it continues on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just challenged by that because I don't see how, how uh, anyway, that's a whole other discussion. I know I will infuriate people with my thoughts on this because I've had really passionate debates over beers you know, in the United States with some of my great friends who defend this dual agency thing. Um, over here it's really simple, you act for the seller, you get the best possible price you can for the seller and I'd say 95% of real estate transactions in Australia are done where, where the agent 
just represents the seller. Having said that, one of the other differences with this bill is that in real estate in Australia, the selling fee or the fee charged by the real estate agent of the seller would be around about two and a half to three percent of the fee. Okay. So that's the total commission. So it's kind of comparable to what what it would happen in the states. So pretty much, pretty yeah. much. We just don't have this sort of funny thing happening where you know where we're representing the buyer and doing the best job we can for the buyer, but with the seller paying the fee. <laughs> that confuses me. Are there title companies and title insurance and that sort of thing in Australia? Yeah, not so much around title insurance. Um, so you know the titles are, I guess, are guaranteed by the government. Um, you know, by the, the, the statutory authorities. In terms of uh, conveyancing companies or legal firms, absolutely. So they look after the transaction. In most cases, the real estate agent would prepare the contract in Australia, prepare the contract of sale, uh, get all parties to sign it, send it off to the lawyer who would act for the buyer, another lawyer would act for the seller. Um, generally, real estate transactions here in Australia are closed inside 30 days. So it's done and dusted, money's in the bank in 30 days, everyone's happy and they move on. All right. Excellent. Well, I appreciate that. That'll, that'll help a lot of people who it is just interesting to hear how things are handled in other parts of the world. So, um, yeah, okay. yeah. I think we have a streamlined process. Um, you know, having said that, you know, it always worries me when bureaucrats start to see a streamlined process. We've just had a review of some of the documentation here in Australia, um, which was going to streamline things. And, you know, and a 10 page contract has now gone to 15 pages. I'm not sure how that streamlines things. Right. <laughs> Here we go. Well, so you, we, go. we get back to 2008, you transition out of the industry. You could probably just kind of retired and rode off into the sunset and rode a, drove a motorhome around the country and just chilled. But you decided to start kind of playing with this new social digital stuff that's out there. And kind of like me, I'm going to say at a more advanced age than a lot of the kids that are out there playing in this space. So how did that get started? Absolutely, Bill. In fact, you're right. I could have retired. In fact, I did for three days. I retired. I said, this is it. You know, we, we'd made some really good money from the business. We sold it for a really good price. Um, and uh, and I, well, I'll retire. It'll be wonderful. And uh, that lasted about three days. And I went, I can't do this, you know. And I'm a horrible golfer. I'm nowhere not like you. I mean, I, you know, I dreamed to have a handicap like yours, Bill. But, uh, <laughs> So, you know, I think, well, you know, I mean, I think men's handicaps are 27 and I'm currently about 36, I think so. <laughs> so, so that, so retiring just wasn't going to happen. But I'd always had a fascination for where real estate and technology came together. An example of that is in 1997, I bought, I think, 15 computers and I put them on 15 desks inside the business, a real estate business. And I thought we were so tech savvy. I was 1997, Bill. You know, yeah. all of our stuff had computers. We were, you know, I was walking around our town. We were the tech savvy go-to real estate agents in Manly, in Brisbane. And a week later, I got the damn things and I threw them out the door. And the simple reason I did that was because everyone sat around and played solitaire. Yeah, and the the, the message for me from that, and I've used this in every stage presentation, in fact, every training presentation I've given since 2008, is that my belief is this, that real estate agents won't be replaced by technology, but they'll absolutely be replaced by real estate agents who effectively use technology. And so the reflection from 1997, we had all the toys, we just didn't know how to use the damn things. And I fast forward that to today, Bill, in 2015, and I think you just made the point before. While you and I are kind of crusties, you know, we're the old fellas, I think we've got 
a better grasp than a lot of our than our younger uh, people have got, and we're certainly in an industry that needs to understand and embrace that technology. Otherwise, they will be replaced by the new kids on the block who get this space. So, you know, part of your journey through this digital space is has been uh, quite a few trips to the United States to see what's happening over here. There's there's always this giant Aussie contingent. It seems like it's especially at Inman, right, in San Francisco and in New York. That has that been a big part of the learning curve for you to kind of see what's happening, you know, over here and, and take some of that back and vice versa. I'm sure share what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. But no, in one, that's it. My, my first trip uh, was in 2007 to uh, NAR Las Vegas. Uh, and in fact, that probably fueled my first interest in uh, in the digital side of things was uh, in the social media side. Bernice Ross, realestatecoach.com. Bernice uh, spoke about uh, this thing called Facebook and what it might do, and, and I sat back with great interest. And thought, That's kind of interesting. And this was before I'd actually sold my business, and, and that kind of spurred me on to think, well, maybe there's something in this new world. And so, you know, you know, I went back again, I think, to San Diego NAR in 2009 and in 2010, and on it's gone. And, and you know, every one of those visits for me is another fact-finding mission to find out what's good, what's cool, where things are going. In a lot of cases, and you and I would both agree on this, that you know we learn things and sometimes even going to these you know, startup alleys or those things, is you know, we work out what's actually crap and what not to use. Right. So, and there's, we know there's plenty of that. I'd love to see, uh, and this, you know, this is controversial, but I'd love to see Inman do a, where are they now? Okay. I could think of a few, yeah. but we're not going to mention them. That's <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but I think that's the thing. But that's the job that you and I have in the work that we do is to, from our knowledge uh, and our professionalism, to weed out what's going to work and what's rubbish. That's our charter. That's what people pay us and look to us to do, to use our skills and knowledge to determine that's going to fly and we should support it, or that's crap and don't get involved. Because one of the things that I do know, Bill, is that our industry, we are a soft touch to someone who's got a great idea. Oh. We are, you know, someone marches into our business and says, I've got this great idea and it's only going to cost you the price of a cup of coffee a day. And our gullible industry lines up and we sign up for all this crap. And so I think that you and I have got a great opportunity in a position to actually weed through some of that rubbish and actually give some good tools to people and tell them the things that will work rather than the, you know, the latest fad that's going to last a fortnight. Yeah, I agree with you, Peter. I think you and I probably do the same thing. It's for me, it's so much listening to uh, somebody that that needs help, and really getting down to what are they really trying to accomplish, as opposed to what somebody's telling them they think they need to accomplish. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it is that it is the listening. You know, and it, it's the great art of our business. You know, is the ability to listen. You know, and understand what people need and you know, help them in the right direction rather than trying to shove the next big thing down their throat. You know, oh, you need one of these. You know, it's going to make you a million dollars. Well, maybe you, just need, maybe you don't need the Rolls Royce. Maybe the, you know, maybe the, you know, the Ford's going to do exactly the job that you need. We just need to know how to use the buttons on it correctly in the first place. Right. So you speak all over your country, Australia. I know I see you all the time socially in different conferences and doing stuff. Uh, you speak all around the world. I mean, and you're here in the States, New Zealand, I'm missing some other places. How, how, does, how, how do the U.S. and Australia compare when it comes to online strategies? Is one kind of moving in a different direction? Are they really just doing the same things? Is there, is there a difference between the two? 
Yeah, Billy, I reckon we're very much aligned in that respect. I think we're very close to each other. The one thing I do see is, is um, you guys are probably 12 to 18 months ahead in the way that you've embraced technology there, the way that you've embraced blogs, videos, lead generation websites. I think you're more advanced than we are. I do sit back sometimes though and I wonder, um, and it is some of the advice that I'm giving to real estate agents here in Australia, is that I do see some real estate agents that spend a lot of time working their own technology. I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're creating their own blog site, they're sorting out which widget to use, which template to use, what plugins to do, arranging their own SEO, and I think that's kind of interesting. But I come back to, and I keep coming back to, what's the best value of you? What's the best use of your time? If you're a really good real estate agent, a really good networker with people, is it really your core skill or your skill set or the best use of your time? You need to be sitting there playing with a WordPress blog and a plugin and a template and a widget and God knows what it is and whether the font should be this size and that side and the colour should be this and that. Or whether you should just be out networking with lots of people to create more listing opportunities and more sales opportunities. So that I think is the one difference. You guys tend to spend more time on that. For some that clearly works. Others I wonder whether we're just doing that as a distraction um, from being, instead of doing the core part of our role. Just a thought. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. Let me, let me ask you this and kind of in the, in the same vein, what, what are, and that's, you've just given me one of the mistakes you might, you see agents making online. Give me a couple other of the bigger mistakes you see agents just routinely kind of falling into. You know, you know it was, I, I, I facilitated a panel session yesterday um, where I asked a similar question of three of the really good real estate salespeople in Queensland, which is the, you know, the state, uh, Brisbane's the capital of Queensland. And, and I subscribe to this same belief, you know, is that most real estate agents are shocking at managing a database. You know, they're shocking at, um, at building relationships with people that could generate into five transactions rather than one, if that makes sense. We're in an industry where, you know, we meet and greet and do business with so many people and we could build on so much better on those relationships if we actually built the relationship and communicated with those people on a regular basis. But instead of doing that, instead of building relationships with people that already know us and trust us and have had some sort of relationship with us in the past, we, we want to go off and spend thousands of dollars to go and find new people and pay Zillow money or Trulia money or God knows who else money to find all these new people. And I reckon if we started to build our databases and use them, we call them CRMs here, I guess it's the same for you guys, a CRM is a customer relationship management system. If we actually put the names of every person we've done business with or we communicated with into a database and kept in touch with those people on a regular basis with many information, we would never have to go out and buy another lead again. So you know, I think that's one of those lazy things that happen in our business. And I don't know whether, Bill, whether it's because, again, we're right brain creative people who are great at communicating face-to-face -face or across telephones. But if you ask us to sit down in an office and start to tap in those details inside a database on a computer. We kind of get more distracted and we move on to the next thing. But I think that's the number one mistake for me is not building relationships which are long-term with people who would come back to us and give us five opportunities and referrals, refer them, you know, us to their friends as being the go-to person. That, that, you know, that's a real, you should probably tell I'm passionate about that, but that's the real bugbear of mine. There was a, one of our trainers here said to us back in the year 2000, he said, a well-maintained, up-to-date database 
will be the currency of the new millennium. Had fancy words, but simply what he said was, well-maintained, up-to-date database is going to be worth a buckload of money in your business in the years to come. I couldn't agree more. I Look, we both know agents that do amazing business with lead generation, very systemized way of, of working those leads and tracking those leads, and they're really amazing in what they do. But I also think the, the people that are doing that are kind of at a different level than, we'll just call it our average agent, right? But even our average agent can do what you just said, right? We can all, you know, make sure that our database is up to date, it's current, and that we're using it in a way that kind of leads to transactions down the road. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. So, Bill, you, you used the word average there. And, 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 and here's the thing, and, and this, is quite, you know, this kind of annoys a few people when I use it in a presentation, but I have a, a speaking friend of mine who defines the word average, and he talks about, you know, most service experience we have in life is average. Most people in their transaction are average. Most real estate agents are average. And, and, I, you know, and I ask that question, most people agree and say, oh yeah, it was an average transaction, they're an average sort of an agent. And my speaking friend Winston defines average as this. He says average is best of the worst or cream of the crap. <laughs> average is best of the worst or cream of the crap. And I kind of reckon that's right. You know, average, you know, yeah, they're okay, nothing special, nothing. You know. And do we want to be average? Because I reckon in business, you know, you've only got to go 10 or 15% more bill and you're above average. Right. You know, and so that's the missing ingredient for people is to say, I'm just going to go that one bit better, you know, and, and to be above average. And Dan, you're on fire if you can be above average. Right. Now you're right. That's, and it doesn't take much. It just takes a little bit. You're right. Let me, let me ask you this. It's, it's, this is a tough question, but do you, do you have any examples that you maybe give out when you do your presentations? You wouldn't mind sharing here of folks really doing great things online or things that you that you like to see? Things that I like to see. Um, yeah, look, that's a really good question. I, I guess we've got some guys doing uh, some really good stuff here in, in uh, video in Australia. There's a guy called Josh Hart, J-O-S-H, uh, uh, last name Hart, H-A-R-T. He's from Launceston in Tasmania. Um, uh, Tara, talks, Tara, my partner, talks about Josh as being my man crush. <laughs> he's, you know, he's a young guy, and in fact, he's a really good case study, Bill. He's a young fellow that started his real estate career in Launceston in Tasmania. That's the bottom island off Australia. Um, he's a guy roughly 30 years of age, been in the industry three and a half, four years, something like that. And about six months ago, he was voted the Real Estate Institute of Tasmania Salesperson of the Year after three and a half or four years in real estate, which is pretty impressive because there's guys in that market have been there for 40 years who've never picked up a, you know, a trophy for anything. And Josh simply came into the Launceston market in Tasmania where the average sale price is $200,000 for a property. And he said, I'm going to be different to everyone else. Otherwise, I'm just average. If I don't have a point of difference that sets me apart, I'm just average. And he embraced some stats that actually came from the Houston Association of Realtors, Bob Hale's uh, group, sure. from years back that said that 77% of home buyers expected to see a video or a virtual tour when they looked at a property online. So Josh said, you know, I'm going to do video. That's going to be my point of difference. And it's funny, Bill, everyone laughed and sat back and said, oh, he's crazy. That's crap. That's rubbish. You don't do that here in Launceston, Tasmania. You know, it's, it's a real rural sort of country town. And he, he proceeded on. He said, no, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And so, you know, um, uh, I think it's, I'm trying to go to his website. I think it's 
whyjosh.com or joshhart.com. I'm going to have to get it to you, Bill. But if you Google Josh Hart Real Estate Launceston, you'll find his website, you'll find his videos. And, you know, he just does a video on every property, every single time. They're quality videos. He presents them nicely. He's not doing outrageous things. He's not doing them naked. He's not jumping into a swimming pool. He's not, not doing any of the crazy stuff that we see from agents. He just does this every single time. And here's the thing, is that when Josh started doing that, I, I said, everyone said he was crazy. All the agents said, young whippersnapper, fancy coming into a market doing that sort of stuff. That crap won't work here. And about five or six Fridays ago, Tara and I were sitting here at our unit in Brisbane, and the phone rang from Josh's number one competitor. And they said, is there any chance that you guys could jump on a plane and come down here to Launceston and Tasmania and show us a little about this newfangled stuff? <laughs> so it seems as you know, the same guys that said, that's crap, that won't work. So I guess, you know, he, look, he's probably the poster boy for great website, great lead generation, really good quality marketing. He's done research on things. You know, this is smart. He, the number one real estate portal in Australia is a company, it was a site called realestate.com.au. It's owned by Rupert Murdoch, who's obviously got your realtor.com um, site there. And Josh did the research that said that uh, the average dwell time that people have looking at properties online in Australia is six minutes and 30 seconds. And so again, he sat back and said, so if the average dwell time of when people log on to realestate.com, search for property, look around, is six and a half minutes. He said, I need to make my listings a lot more sticky and give lots more information and have good quality photos and floor plans and Matterports and, and you know, plus his video to make sure that if they're there for six and a half minutes, that he's going to own them for at least five of those minutes. So smart thinking, you know, smart boy. That is great. Um, well, I, what I'll do is I'll put the URL to his site in the, the notes for the, the podcast, so it'll be there. Let me ask you, let's toss a softball your way. Easy question for you. What's your favorite social network and why? Oh, look, for me, it's Facebook. You know, it's just it's Facebook. I just think you can see people better. I think you can, you can tell stories better. Um, it's, you know, it's just, you know, it, and I guess it's, you know, it's where my network is. It's where my people are. It's where my tribe is. Um, you know, and I'm a member of some tribes and some people remember my tribes. You know, it's just there. It just works. Um, you know, it frustrates me for a range of reasons, but that's not Facebook. That's the people that don't understand how to use the product properly. But I think it is, you know, Facebook is the, you know, there's voice, there's video, there's photos, there's text, there's, you know, whichever whichever uh, form you, you, you want to use to create emotion or create connection, it's there. And so, yeah, Facebook. Well, let me, I'm going to wrap this up. And I, have, I always end with the same question, so I'll ask you this question. But before I, I want to say thank you so much, because I know you just came off a couple of days of uh, pretty intense uh, work. Your your local association there had their annual conference, and so I appreciate you taking the time to even get up this early and help. <laughs> so here here's the question: If you could, if you could only give one piece of advice to help an agent become better, what would it be? Well, I'm going I'm to say, don't listen to what's going on inside your head if you've got negative thoughts. For me, is have belief. You know, have belief. You know, get get some training and then have belief. Trust your instinct and go, or trust yourself and go and do it. When you've got that little niggly voice that's saying, oh, you won't be any good at this, or, you know, get out there and just have another go and get back up and fight again. Um, you know, I have to, there's two part. The second part is get a mentor that you believe, you know, get a mentor that you believe and listen to what they say 
and, you know, and get some support. So oh, I don't know whether we're the same on their ability, but that that is for me. You know, we get all these negative voices that come in. It's part of our inbuilt, you know, ecosystem. This is, oh, you're probably doing the wrong thing. You know, uh, oh, you know, you probably won't be successful. Fight through that. Go and do it. You know, this is an awesome industry with some awesome people who are generally really happy to give you a hand. If you put your hand up, just pick the right mentor and run with those. That would that would be my thoughts. Awesome. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, really, this has been a great week. That's a half hour flew by, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go. Um, if someone wants to reach out and get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach out to you? Uh, Bill, the easiest way to get me is, is simply uh, my website is thatpeterbrewer.com. So T-H-A-T, peterbrewer.com. That's where you'll find me. And Billy, look, I've got to see you. Mate, this for me is, is an honor and delight. To be invited to spend half an hour with you, mate, is, is, uh, is awesome, you know. Uh, it's a busy world, and, and you know, you and I pass each other online, and, and uh, you know, uh, you are one of the great survivors. Your courage at fighting through your cancer a couple of years back, you know, is uh, is testimony to, you know, to your, your courage, mate, and your um, uh, your tenacity. You're an awesome man. So for me, this is an honour for me to spend 30 minutes with you. I really appreciate you thinking well, of me, mate. Good luck to you, and God bless you. Thank you very much. So I, I should end this the proper way. Then, uh, first of all, go Lions, and Peter, have a nice day. <laughs> Have a nice day. I'm off for a Foster's. Thanks a lot, Peter. I really appreciate it. Everybody, that's been the Real Estate Sessions podcast, episode number 11 with Peter Brewer from Australia. Go check out his website, connect with him online, hit him up. He's a lot of fun. And we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Sessions with Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about the Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.